Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of Acts, chapter 1. And after prayer, I'm going to read a few verses. I'll begin in verse 1. The Father, what a beautiful thing it is to sing with the choir of angels that Christ is born in Bethlehem. That, Father, you sent your only Son into this world that we might have life and have it for eternity. We are a blessed people. We ask now, Father God, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes to see the glory of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Open our hearts, Father, to hear his voice as he speaks through the word. Open our minds, Father, to be renewed in his likeness, that we might glorify you on earth as you are in heaven. And I thank you that you will do this, for it is to honor you and to honor your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. So the Acts, chapter 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times nor seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into the heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter and James, John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Amen. You can be seated. God add blessing to his word. So on Thursday... We all celebrated what we refer to as Thanksgiving Day. It's a day we typically gather with our family, with our loved ones, and we remember the blessings that we've received from the generous hand of God. And as you've heard this morning, today marks our first Sunday of the Advent season, which is a time that we begin to remember the first coming of our Lord into the world. And the theme for today is hope. And generally, when we speak of Thanksgiving, we see it as a recognition of past blessings. And when we hope 
In general, we're looking forward to the things not yet seen. And it is true that we should be thankful for all that God has done for us. But it's also true that we should be thankful for the promises He's made for today and into the future. And in the same way, we have hope not just in the age to come, in which God will bring all things to perfect completion. But our hope is rooted in the past work of God as well. It's rooted also in his present-day provision for our lives. So as we think of hope, whether it's in the past, the present, or the future, we discover in our Bibles that the source of our hope is in the very person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He himself is our hope. So in this passage that I've read today, we find the disciples of Jesus grappling with the events that have unfolded in their lives. Remember, these disciples have witnessed the Lord's capture in his garden. They have witnessed his trial before Pilate. They have witnessed him put to death on the cross of Calvary. And they have witnessed his resurrection from the grave and his mastery even over death itself. And still they are focused on the immediate impact of those events in their present situation. Their questions remain focused on a hope in the worldly results of God concerning the restoration of the earthly kingdom of David. But in the Lord's final words that we have recorded before he ascended, on the Mount of Olives, he speaks instruction and correction for them and for us. He reminds them that it's not for them to know times or seasons which the Father has in his own authority. But on the positive side, they shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon them, and they'll, they shall be witnesses to him. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth, you shall be witnesses to me. He is the central message. They are not to be concerned with the times and the seasons. And then God reinforces that same message in the following verses when he sends his angels to the apostles who now have watched the Savior as he has been taken up and received into the clouds. And as they gaze heavenward, two men standing in white apparel Say to them, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. The angels turn their attention to the person of the risen Savior, to the person of the ascended Savior, and to the person to the coming of the coming King. This is not the first time that God has sent angels to reinforce his promises. He had sent angels to announce the incarnation of Christ. He sent angels to announce the birth of Christ. He sent angels to announce the resurrection of Christ. And here we see him sending angels at the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ heralding, as we just sang, that great message of hope which is always found in Jesus himself. 
And so today as we enter the Advent season, I want to expound our Christian hope, just as the angels did, by focusing our attention on Jesus. We look this morning to the reminders of Scripture that give us hope in the incarnate Christ, our hope in the resurrected Christ, our hope in the ascended Christ, and our hope in the soon and coming King of Kings who reigns at the right hand of the majesty, for he is our hope. First, I want to look at the hope that we have in the incarnate Christ, the promise-keeping Savior. In Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 33, we see the angel Gabriel coming to Mary and announcing that she would be with child of the Holy Spirit and that this child would be born and that she is to call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 23, an angel in a vision announces the birth of Jesus to Joseph in a dream to let Joseph know that Mary is with child of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14, an angelic host bears witness to the birth of Christ to the shepherds in the fields. And so in three occasions... God sends his angels to announce the incarnate Christ. And we have hope in the incarnate Christ in multiple ways. And I would hope that over the course of the next days and weeks, you'll come up with many more. But I've just written down a few. Our hope in the incarnate Christ is that he is the covenant keeper. He is the promised seed in Genesis 3.15 that would come from the woman and would bruise the head of the serpent. So he reminds us that that first covenant, that first promise that was made all the way back in the book of Genesis has been kept. We hope in the incarnate Christ because he is God's king, set on the holy hill of Zion from Psalm 2 that reigns on David's throne forever. Luke chapter 1. We hope in the incarnate Christ because he was the perfect sinless Savior, an eternal priest according to the order of Melchizedek, who sympathizes with our weaknesses as he was in all ways tempted as we are, yet was without sin, from Hebrews 4.15 and 5.6. We hope in the incarnate Christ because he is the crucified Redeemer, his body having been broken for us, and his blood which sealed the new covenant from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He was offered on an eternal offer, altar, not made by hands. He has propitiated the wrath of God against the sinners of the world. He has removed the stain of sin from the redeemed, and he has sealed the covenant of promise in his own blood, Hebrews chapter 9. Romans chapter 8. The incarnate Christ is our hope because he was the surety of God's covenant, his covenant in Genesis with Adam, his covenant with Abraham in Genesis, his covenant with Moses, and the new covenant which the Lord Jesus wrote in his own blood and secured with his um, sacrifice. So we hope in the incarnate Lord 
the one that walked the face of the earth, the one that in my Sunday school we are looking at and studying his life, and our hope is in him. But secondly, our hope is in the resurrected Christ, the all-sufficient Redeemer. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 2 to 6, as the two Marys come to the tomb where Jesus had been laid, behold, an angel has removed the rock and he speaks to the two Marys, telling them he's no longer here, he's risen. In Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 8, these angels, again, the heralds sent by God, ask of them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is risen. Remember what he told you. So again, God has sent the angels to announce the resurrection of his Christ. And so we look back on that resurrected Lord, and we have hope in the resurrected Christ because he's the victorious Son of God. It was the power of God, the resurrection power, that was at work in God, in Christ, as God raised him from the dead and has elevated him above all, seating him at his right hand. And he is head of the church from Ephesians chapter 1, Romans chapter 1. We hope in the resurrected Christ because he is the first fruits of our redemption. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul writes, If Christ is not risen, we are the most pitiable, because our faith, our hope, is futile. And our hope in the resurrected Christ is because he is the mighty one who holds us in the palm of his hand and assures us that no one can snatch us away. The resurrected Christ who is greater even than death. The resurrected Christ who made a public spectacle of his enemies at the cross. From Colossians chapter 2, 15, Acts chapter 2, 24, and John chapter 10, 29. The resurrected Christ who rose in victory over all of his enemies, making them a public spectacle. Is our hope because he is the first fruits of what shall become of us. Our third hope is in the ascended Christ because there he is the reigning king. Again, the angelic messengers in Acts chapter 1 that I read tell us, why do we gaze into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up is coming back. But he is taken up. In Ephesians, and I'm going to turn there and read this, and this is out of the opening part of Ephesians as Paul is writing to that church, as Paul does in, in an attempt to, to help us to understand the glorious event that has taken place beginning in verse 20 of chapter 1 as he is praying for the Ephesian church, desiring that they would have um, wisdom and understanding and knowledge of him. He continues on that it is this power exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his, that's God's mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers, might and dominion, 
and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is our ascended Christ, our reigning king, the one who has been taken up and received into the clouds, the one who has been seated at the right hand of the majesty, the one who is announced by angels, and he is Christ our hope as the mediator. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, we are reminded that it is God's desire that all be saved, but there is only one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. So we hope in his mediation. We hope in the ascended Christ as the intercessor, for he lives to intercede for us. From Hebrews chapter 7, and also from Isaiah, which was read for us this morning. Our hope is in the ascended Christ, who is ever present with us. Which reminds us in John chapter 16, that it's better for us. He told his disciples, it's better for them that he depart because he would send the helper. And we're reminded in Matthew chapter 28 that all authority belongs to him. And as he sends us out, he ends that gospel with the promise that, lo, I am with you always. He never leaves us. He never abandons us. He never, never leaves us to our own devices. He never sends us out into a world that he has not conquered to do the work that he has not already set in eternity past for us to do. He is the ascended Christ who reigns today. We may, like the disciples of old, the disciples of Acts chapter 1, we may look and wonder when the kingdom of David would be restored. Oh God, when will evil be overcome? Why did the evil man prosper? Why is the church persecuted? You be witnesses of me. I've overcome the world. This is our hope. And we lock our eyes on the ascended Christ, who is the reigning king. He is reigning today. And lastly, our hope is in the coming king of kings and the Lord of lords. The angels promised in the opening chapter of Acts that in the like manner that he was taken up, he would return. And our hope in the coming king is because he himself promised to return and to receive us to himself. In John chapter 14, as he was departing, he told his disciples, you believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you certainly I will come and receive you to myself that you may be there with me. So we hope in the coming king because his promise to us. We hope in the coming king because as the angels reported, he will return in like manner as he was taken up. He will visibly come back to this earth that we see so much pain and hurt and heartache and devastation in. And he will call his church out of it, which he declared in the scriptures when he is going to return 
in the letter to the Thessalonians. And he is the coming king who will rule over all. So our hope comes from Revelation chapter 19. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is the one in whom we hope. He is the faithful and true one. The one that shall come not only to claim his church, but the one that shall come and set all things right. So that it will be as it was in the beginning when God declared that the creation was very good. Our hope is in this Jesus and in none other. So as we enter this season of Advent, and especially as we look forward to our Christmas celebrations, I pray that our hope is founded in Christ and that we would remember that today he is Lord of all, especially in these last days. And I pray that we would remember his promise of the Holy Spirit to make us his witnesses so that in this season we would point our friends, our family, and our acquaintances to the glorious Son of God who came down from heaven, the babe in the manger of Bethlehem, who is the resurrected and ascended Lord, as well as the soon and coming King. For he truly is the only hope that this world has. And Father God, I thank you that you have given us your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, though you are seated at the right hand of the majesty, that you intercede for your church, that you are the mediator, that through you we have access by bold proclamation to approach and to receive the help that we need I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the returning king and that all things are being placed under your feet. There is no name under heaven, in heaven, or on this earth that is greater than yours. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have hope that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, whom you sent to be our comforter and our teacher and our guide. And now, Father, as we end this service, we just pray that you would help us in this Christmas season, in this Advent season, 
to remember you in everything that we do, that your name might be glorified on earth as it is in heaven, and that your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, would be lifted up for his promises that he will draw men to himself. We thank you, Father, in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand with us.